0: As entrepreneurs we you know, we start something and we build it and then before we know it we're like, Oh wow, look what we did, but wow, like I had no idea how to do that. That is a cluster. That is a huge mess over there. And so like kind of handing that mess off is embarrassing, like <laughs>
1: Hey guys, my name is Michael Krasovsky, and welcome to episode 13 of that remote show, where we're here from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals, so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Quinn Zeta, the founder and CEO of Zeta Labs, a branding and web development agency that is fully remote and specializes in helping seven-figure online businesses increase revenue by building websites that convert. If you've ever taken a Myers-Briggs test online, it's very likely that you've seen Quinn's work since her team are the people behind the design and branding of the massively popular 16 personalities website and helped increase that website's revenue by over 560%. Quinn is not a newbie to the location independent scene by any means and has been a digital nomad for more than a decade and visited over 35 countries. And in this episode, she shared not only her story, but also some great tips and strategies that she's gathered through her journey. You'll learn all about how she bootstrapped her business as a recent college graduate, how she's been able to create a steady stream of clients, and what the most important skill for you to have as a location independent worker and entrepreneur is. We'll also we also got to chat about her favorite places in the world to base yourself from as a like having a fully remote team and like just what her favorite places in the world have been as a remote entrepreneur. And if that sounds interesting to you, then consider signing up for our email list over at that Because this is something that I'm launching that is a weekly email newsletter that was inspired by Tim Ferriss' hugely popular Five Bullet Friday in which I share all the top news and goings on in the digital nomad and location independent entrepreneurship scenes. You hear all about new events, great articles and podcasts to help you with your journey and also some of the coolest gadgets and products to make your digital nomad lifestyle easier and more enjoyable. So that sounds like your cup of tea then head on over to thatremotelife.com and sign up for the email list over there and you'll also get my guide to the top digital nomad tools as a free bonus. So I hope to see you over there and with that let's dive into this interview with Quinn Zeta. All right well Quinn welcome to the show how are you doing today? I'm doing
0: great thanks for having me.
1: Yeah absolutely I'm super excited to have you on because Um, I have been familiar with some of the things that you've done and we have some mutual friends who have said really cool things. But then I got even more excited because I found out that you or your team, I should say, is behind one of my favorite sites, uh, which is 16 personalities. Is that correct?
0: Uh, yeah, so we did that a couple years ago. Um, that was when the team was a little bit smaller. So it was mostly me and Peter, my illustrator. Um, and we also had our developer Henry help divine a little bit of the interface. But yeah, that was a really fun project. We got like really insane results for that. Yeah. so it was cool.
1: That's crazy because I mean that website has been visited like how many times by now? Do you know like I remember that you mentioned it in the Nomad Summit video, but it's got like like what like sixty million something like people have taken the tests on that oh, or something like that.
0: It's way more than that now. Um, actually, I know that before the show, perfectly. I said I'm not going
1: to ask you any like <laughs> <laughs> questions like this. And I just like immediately like first thing I did. No,
0: it's a cool thing because um, when we started working on that, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but they only had four to five million tests taken. And now I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's one hundred and seventy three million. Wow. Tests. so like to be able to bring that site give that site like a makeover and help it get those results has been like crazy insane
1: wow yeah and if you guys listening don't know what that website is about i highly recommend um you go check it out it's all about the uh what is that what is the personality test called that one it's i know i'm an entp but i don't know what it's called
0: Yeah. So there's like several different like personality theories, Mm -hmm. you know, like you've got the big five Myers-Briggs and there's some other ones. Um, what, um, the guy, the founder of 16 personalities did is he kind of combined all of those theories into one. So it's Mm -hmm. actually, um, I, in my opinion, the most accurate personality test there is. So yeah, you just go in. You spend like 10 minutes answering some questions like, uh, do you prefer to be in the crowd or on the outside of the crowd? Do you, are you messy? Are you organized? Like these kind of things. And then at the end of those questions, you end up getting a, um, like a a personality type. So like ENTP, Mm -hmm. um, slash like a, or, or whatever, um, And then you get like 10 pages of information, which tells you like about yourself and working on that project. I actually learned a ton of stuff about myself that actually changed the way I I did business a bit.
1: Oh, wow. That's yeah, that's very cool. It's definitely a really fun site to play around with. And uh, thank you for putting that together for the rest of us to enjoy it. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to take you back a little bit to a time before you had done that. Can you take me back to your college experience and specifically coming out of college and what did you do next after that? Like, how did you decide, give me a little bit of just like a background of how your life today, Zeta Labs came to be.
0: So, um, when I was nearing graduation of in college of art school, um, I thought I wanted to be like this creative director, And I wanted to work on like action sports brands. I was like really into that. And so I picked an agency. I think it was Haro in, um, not the bikes, but um, in California. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to work for that agency in particular. And um, I, I raced motocross at the time. And one of the guys that I raced with worked at one of the biggest ad agencies in Dallas. And I was like, I told him, like, "Ah, I wanna work at this place, like yada, yada, yada. And he's like, you know what, why don't you come by a tour of our agency and check it out? And I was like, sure, that sounds great. So he takes me on this tour, and it is like probably to this day the craziest tour I've ever been on. It was brutally honest, and it just painted a picture for me that literally changed the trajectory of, of my career. So, um, I went in there and he was like, Oh, Hey, yeah, uh, this is the desk you're going to be sleeping under, uh, under, uh, you're going to be the first one in, in the morning, the last one out. Um, and then over here, see that guy getting coffee? Yeah, that's going to be you. You're going to be getting coffee for (laughs) for at least like five years. Hey, you have any hobbies? Yeah. Forget about it. um, uh and he just like good salesman. This, like awful <laughs> awful picture of like what my like working life was going to be out of college mm-hmm. and um i was like oh hell no like my childhood felt like a prison to me um i was never allowed to do anything that i wanted to do um and so i was like no way is my adult life going to be this and so i left and i was like i don't know what i'm going to do And I went to the Art Institute College, which they have like this like statistic, like 98% of our students were placed in jobs. So they kept trying to get me to go to these interviews, and I skipped them all. Um, I got in a lot of trouble for that. They like called my parents. They called my friends. They were like, what's wrong with her? Why does not she come to these job interviews? Like I was like, I threw away the resumes and stuff, and I was like, I don't don't know what I'm going to do. But I entered a contest, um, a student design contest, and I won it. And part of the reward of that is I got a ticket to go to this like conference of some sort. Um, I don't even remember the name of the conference or anything. Um, But I ended up in this session, and it was this guy. um, I don't remember his name either. Um, (laughs) I should remember these things, but I don't. Um, And he was just like, yeah, I started my business right out of college. And look how awesome we are. Look what we've built. Everyone said we couldn't do it. Um, And we did. And I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. Like screw these guys! <laughs> I should get a job. I don't want a job. I know what a job is now, and I don't want that. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna try this, and um, that was the beginning of my business. So I've never actually had a job.
1: Wow, um, that's I awesome. I
0: started my business right out of college. So that was a that was a long story for that. Wow.
1: What were those <laughs> What were those first months like when you were when you you decided that you're gonna start your business, and Now you got to do it. What were those first couple of months like and how did you land your first client?
0: Yeah, so the first thing I did was I took out a small loan. Um, If I remember correctly, it was about $5,000. I bought myself a laptop, um, just like various stuff like that that I needed, like software and things like that. And then I bought a year subscription to what was at the time, elance.com. Now it's like Upwork. Upwork, um, yeah. 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 Now it's Upwork. Um, so I've a year subscription to that. And I bid on jobs on that because I didn't know how to get clients. I didn't know how to do anything. Um, so that kind of seems like a um, beginning intro to that. So I ended up getting two main clients off that. And I only stayed for the time that I paid for the year. And then I kind of learned how to get clients and like go through the jobs and everything on my own because I don't really like those marketplaces kind of being It's kind of like um, I don't know the the bottom of the barrel kind yeah. of stuff. But there, if you if you know where to look on that platform, there are some really good jobs. And I ended up getting two main clients from that. One was um, a consulting company called Stegan. And they were just the two founders and like an assistant when I started with them and I worked for them for like seven, eight, nine wow. years or something like that. Um, just doing like anything creative for them. I did like video, I did like, um, layouts. I helped them with like charts and stuff, the educational material, which was great because now where I'm at now is a lot is doing like online business stuff. Like all those skills came into play um, and then now I lead people on those. So, and the other one were these um, dentist brothers, um, the Maddo brothers. They were these like rock star dentists.
1: <laughs> I just imagine <laughs> dentists dressed like rock stars and just want to go there already. But that's cool. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you about Upwork. It's, I think it's like a really good place to get started if you want to find like a remote job, or even like you said, like, you know, you're starting like a services business, it's a really great place to like get your feet wet. But eventually, most people that I know have like outgrown it, you know, and they kind of like, all right, I'm gonna find it on my own. So how did you find your first clients outside of, you know, Upwork or Elance at the time? What was the strategy um- that you used to find clients outside of those?
0: I don't know that I really had too much of a strategy in that. Um, at that time, I did the people that I worked with, off, off that I got off the of two clients. Um, yeah, well, I had other jobs and stuff too that I got, but there were two main long-term clients that I got from that. And it really started with referrals, mm. and to this day, like referrals are probably our largest source of leads. I've been working on changing that, but. Um, yeah, so it was referrals. I got a lot of referrals. Um, and then I looked online and other places. Like I remember I got a couple jobs off Craigslist, like Craigslist is actually like pretty terrible also, but like I said, sometimes like what Craigslist was good for, I mean, we're talking like, this is like 15 years ago. I'm, I'm like an old lady now. Um, and, uh, there are people that like, Oh, I need this. I don't know where to do it. Oh, Craigslist. And so like, I would just kind of look every day and every once in a while you would see like one of those and then I would get that job. And then, yeah, a lot of it was referrals. I would say probably 75%. Mm.
1: Yeah, I... Because
0: someone always knows someone that needs design work.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. I do remember finding, I, I was building websites for a little bit and I remember finding like people on Craigslist like... Hey, build me a website for like 500 bucks. And, you know, when you're starting out, you're like, boom, like, yeah, I can do that for you. you know? <laughs> but that's cool. So how then did how did you start building up a team remotely? And, and first of all, I should ask, why build a remote team? Why not get an office? Like everyone I just
0: remembered, before I answer this question, Mm -hmm. I just remembered some of the other stuff that I did on finding the jobs. I actually went to a recruiting agency, like a creative one, and they placed me in other agencies where I would come, like, work for the day and stuff like that. Um, So that was, like, another thing I did. Um, So about um, why build a remote team. I guess, like, ever since I got out of college, by default, I was location independent because mm-hmm. by going immediately on Elance, everything was already remote. Um, so I was kind of already used to working in that environment. Even though Stagen was a local client, I didn't really work. Um, I didn't really work in person with them that much.
1: Mm-hmm. So it was and just like what you already so, knew you were doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and it started where I just had too much work to do for myself. And it also was because I said yes to everything. Um, And so I was constantly like having to learn new things. Like, it's like, oh, we have a voice actor like reading this book. We need you to edit it. And I was like, oh, sure. You know, (laughs) and it would take me like forever to do that. And I'll just say, you know, I'm not really having any fun doing this. And I'm like, oh, I'm charging the client like whatever for my time. Let's just say it was like $1,000 or something. Um, and then I would go, well, let me see if I can find someone that can do this better than me. And it was like $250. So I was like, hmm, I'm telling them. You know, $1,000 is gonna cost this person that's like an expert in it, that's all they do, $250. So. That was kind of how it started. It didn't really start as like an agency. It was just like, I'm doing these things, I'm doing them pretty well, Um, but it takes me a really long time because I'm doing so many different kinds of tasks. And if I can, now that I know how to do it, I can um, communicate to someone else to have them do it and then make money on top of that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of how the seed was
1: planted. Sure, so what have been, You know what are your biggest tips like let's say like your top three tips for somebody who is just starting to work remotely in order to do so successfully you know there's obviously struggles that come along with working remotely what would you say are like the top tips for someone
0: um for my experience like hiring people um skills are not the thing i really look for anymore Mm -hmm. in the beginning probably it was like oh can i find someone that can do this Um, but now it's reliability. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a culture fit. Like does their personality like fit with the teams, you know, not just me, but now the team as a whole. Um, yeah. Are they self-sufficient? Are they like self-motivated? Um, these kinds of things, like more of the soft skills. So if someone is starting in remote work, I would say, like, really focus on those skills because skills can be taught in general. Like, if um, if you hire someone and you've got a way of doing things and they don't know how to do that, um, with the right attitude and the right, like, personality, they can learn how to do that. And I just learned, like, every time that I hired for skills first, it's always come back to bite me in the ass. Like, always. Mm. There's oh, always... <laughs> There, there's kind of always something that, that comes back, um, and yeah, it's just having having that right culture fit is incredibly, incredibly important. And as of like a freelancer, um, dependability, like so many freelancers out there, they're like, oh yeah, 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 like me. This is me that getting yes, of course, I can do that. Um, we don't want people that always say yes to us, right? We want to say, uh, you need this in two days? No, no, Don't tell me yes if you know that's impossible. Say, you know, no, um, I cannot do that in two days. But what I can do is I can get it to you by Friday, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, in four or five days or whatever. That's what I can do. And then I can adjust because they've been honest with me. They've told me, no, I can't do that. That's not possible. Here's what I can do. Um, and then actually following through on that like a big problem is something to be like oh yeah I can get that to you in two days and then like on the second day you're like hey where is it I've made plans to expect it on that day and then I don't have it and then like I panic and it causes like this you know anxiety and then more problems for me so it's the biggest thing like if if you're on time if you're dependable and you communicate and you're like realistic with those expectations like the skills don't really matter that can be learned
1: yeah for sure it's, it's and especially when you're working as part of a team it's very important for you to be able to exactly say how long something's going to take right because if and, and it's okay if you like don't know or if like three days before the deadline you're like hey it's going to take an extra day because xyz but the worst thing you can do is to say yes this can get done in two days, like you said, and then it not get done because everybody else is relying on that. So yeah, I've definitely experienced that myself before. Um, what about you know? Obviously, your company is growing. Um, you've done these amazing projects like Sixteen Personalities. What has been some of the struggles of growing that remote team?
0: Uh, probably me.
1: <laughs> what do you mean by that?
0: <laughs> like, um, well it i mean that's the struggle that i'm i'm kind of going through now because um in the past it's been mostly um peter henry and i so peter's my illustrator he's been with me for like seven years and he's like legit full-time um and then there's henry the developer who has come on um for the same amount of time about six years um but he was like project-based so it was like for the projects. And so it was us three kind of working together. So it's like three people. It's like, we're all in it together. Like I've got the stuff that I need to do. They've got the stuff that they need to do. And it's very easy for us to communicate. But in the past year, I kind of went from that. Um, well, 16 personalities, I had a whole illustrator team. Um, Did you have to hire well, those people
1: on for that project?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was when it kind of got pretty crazy. And um, we decided as a team, like Peter, Henry, and I, to kind of let that go because it ended up just being way, way too much management of of all of that. Um, but now what what it's come to is now I've now I've got a team of ten. Um, and for me to have that kind of relationship that I had with like Peter and Henry, in the beginning, or it's just us three working, um, doesn't translate to 10 people. Um, I can't manage everyone. Um, and if I am managing everyone, I can't actually do my work. Um, I can't do the things that I need to focus on. So, um, so the biggest thing has been like gr- growing and like getting out of, in the business and to working on the business. Um, and taking more of like a CEO role, like I've had to let go of a lot of things. And then I did the project management operations myself, um, literally up until December. Um, and um, I mean that I'm that's something I'm absolutely not good at. I'm terrible at it. I can do it, but I definitely make mistakes, and it's a little bumpy road um, because I'll be like, oh, like Peter, uh, I forgot to tell you this, but I need this like tomorrow, um, which is annoying. <laughs> Um, not only for me, but the person working for me. Um, and so now, um, it's just been a transition into, instead of me being in the team to me, like leading the team. And so that's like the transition from, I think like maybe like three or four people at works. And then when you get bigger than that, it's like now they need to work on their own, um, like together without yeah. me. So
1: it's almost um, like, I think about it when you have those, like, have you ever seen those people that, like, spin the plates on the sticks? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's yes. almost like you can keep them up. You know, if you have three or four, you can manage and keep it up. But the moment you add on more, they start falling, right? Because you can't, like, unless you have, like, really good processes, you can't, like, keep everything in your mind, right? You need to have, like, really strong processes, really good organization, that sort of thing. Um, what have been yeah, the biggest... That's
0: a great analogy
1: you know i'm I'm perfect for them if you ever need them come, <laughs> come come on back send me a text whatever um that's my dog i think the mailman is here anyways uh what have been some of those skills that you've had to sort of like learn you know you said that you are trying to you know be kind of take yourself out of the business and be in a more of a ceo position what have been some of those skills that have come that you've had to learn from that change
0: uh um, well i'm still in it um <laughs> <laughs> uh so in December I brought on a, a head of operations um her name is Anna and she's kind of taken over a lot of stuff and I think it like it's it's a very vulnerable position to be in mm-hmm. um because I know that like as entrepreneurs we you know we start something and we build it and then before we know it we're like oh wow look what we did but wow like I had no idea how to do that that is a cluster that is a huge mess over there Mm -hmm. and so like kind of handing that mess off it's embarrassing like
1: (laughs) did she like go through things and be like okay how the hell were you doing this before you know like what
0: yeah (laughs) yeah and then, um, and then the other thing is, is like changing the dynamic of the team. Mm. So now nobody can come to me anymore. They have to go to her. Mm. And then I was like, well, how is that going to affect our relationships? And I, I was a little bit paranoid about it for a while. Um, and yeah, so- So like sometimes I cheat and I'll go like type someone a message, um, you know, and I'm like technically not allowed to do that. So um, what was happening, what was a big problem was, um, you know, we work in Slack a lot because Mm -hmm. we're remote. Slack is a communication tool, like a little chat and you can have different channels for stuff is that everybody would need my input on stuff because when we were smaller, that's what it was. We were always like going back and Mm -hmm. forth and stuff. But then as the team grew and as Anna came in, she was just like, Quinn, why aren't you getting all the stuff done that, like, I put on your schedule? And I was like, well, um, I'm just getting bothered all the time. Like, I got to – like, I wasn't bothered. I, mm-hmm. I mean that in the sense of, like, I was Somebody was, like, they, pinging like, I you was all was the needed. time. Yeah. Yeah, they were pinging me for all the time. It's like, look at this, look at that. And um, when you have to do stuff like that, you have to context switch so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and that gets like really exhausting. Like if you're working on something for like three to four hours and you're like focused on it, that's, that's amazing. But then when you have to switch from like, oh, I got to do feedback on this. Oh, I got to like read this. Oh, I got to like answer this. It's just like, you can never get in flow or, or do the work. So we recently implemented something where nobody's allowed to send me any more messages or ask me for like anything. Um, they have to send it all to Anna, and then on Friday, we have Feedback Fridays where I spend the whole day going through everybody's stuff, and if they need something important, I have like an hour a day where she gives me a report on everything and says, hey, um, so-and-so needs to answer this, this, and this for the new Ford, and in the hour, um, I give it. So that's actually something that's um – been, been helped in the transition but then like emotionally that was like it was hard to like let go cuz now i feel a little bit more detached from the team mm. so um yeah i'm still i'm still in that i'm not not quite sure
1: i really like that the feedback friday that's really cool so when i'm guessing what happens is the rest of the team sends things that they've done to anna and then the she kind of like categorize things and say what actually needs your opinion and then answers other things and just kind of like gives them to you more organized. Is that what happens?
0: Yeah, so, and it's also that I think the team felt they needed my input on, like, every little thing, Mm. Um, and what was one of the feedbacks that we got after the first, we're only, like, two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks into, like, this change process, but one of the things um, one of my team members said was, like, actually, I like it a lot better now, because before I felt like I didn't have the authority to make these, like, micro decisions, Um, and now I can make them, and then you can just tell me if they're wrong on Friday, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or, you know, I, I did that thing or, um, you know, I feel like I, have got more personal responsibility and personal things. So it actually like surprised me in that sense. Um, yeah.
1: Hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. That, that, that makes total sense. Now that's almost like a perfect segue in terms of a topic into something else that I noticed on your website, which really threw me off is that you guys work with only one client at a time. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct.
1: Okay, so knowing most agencies, I think that that right there, they would be like, nope, like, how do you do that? Like, how is that possible? So can you explain, like, what the idea behind that was? Why you're doing it and how is it going?
0: Um. So what happened is um, in the beginning, um, you know, I was doing project management and all of that. And I have a capacity. Mm -hmm. Like I just have a capacity to my management. Like I just, I can't do more than that. It's just too much. Um, And and also I read the book Essentialism and the One Thing. Mm -hmm. And in both of these books, it says if you focus and dedicate yourself on one thing rather than like 10 things at once, then you can be really, really like 10x good in that thing. And so I thought, well, what if I apply that to projects? Because if I was just doing like one major project at a time and it's that mental space, because if I have to think about five, even just five, not, not even 10, but like five different projects at the same time, at the level that I want to do them at, it's overwhelming. Like I, you can't get through the problems, mm-hmm. um, that, that like some of these sites have. Um, and So yeah, with the one thing, um, with the one project, we do one client at a time. And also it allows us to, um, it allows us to work on our own stuff. One of the things like going back to 16 personalities that I learned is um, I'm too altruistic. So I give too much to the clients and I sacrifice myself or in this case, the agency for that. Mm. Um, and so I realized like I was working so hard for our clients and things like that. And I never worked as hard for ourselves to build something for us. So, um, so yeah, so I kind of felt like, okay, we have one client project and then we can also build our own thing at the same time, because like, even though we're an agency, I don't always want to be trading time for money. Like I definitely, um, get a lot of, um, enjoyment out of the stuff that we do for our clients like 16 personalities like in two months after a redesign that we like over 4x the revenue that's game changing for Mm -hmm. them and because of that they it went from one guy and his wife and me um to Um, he has like an entire team of writers now, an entire team of researchers, like illustrators that are making the illustrators, um, like community manager and all of that. And all of that was possible because his revenue 4 X, like now he had a budget to like do that stuff. And we get a lot of fulfillment out of that. We can't get those results unless we're like really focused on the problem because there's just so many like micro stuff that goes on. And a lot of agencies, they focus on, like one thing like there's a lot of like conversion agencies, but when you look at their work, like, yeah, maybe it converts, but it doesn't look that great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you have um, agencies that make really, really beautiful websites, but maybe they don't convert as well, or the copy's not as good. And with our agency, we go through like on our current project that we're doing right now, we're redoing the branding. We're redoing all of their analytics. So, they can track all the changes and understand um, all all the data later. Um, They also had some uh, process problems. So, we got our head of operations, like helping them get that stuff in order because um, that also affects, like, if we're able to increase the conversions on the website and get more sales, can the business actually handle those more sales?
1: Right. Or is it going to be a hug of death? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's happened to us before. That's why we started to, like, add that thing and then we, um, so we do the branding and then the design and then redo the website. Sometimes we change the name of the business. Mm. Um, so we kind of do like all these things and there's so many different moving parts that if we were to do like five clients at a time, there's just, it would be, it, it would not be the standard of work that we expect of ourselves. I think another thing that I learned from the personality thing is I like things to be like really perfect. Um, And so understanding myself and what I like and what I get enjoyment out of and what made sense to me, I've translated that into how the business works, Mm. if that makes any sense at
1: all. No, for sure. (laughs) I guess a follow-up question would be, because I think that's awesome, I don't know if I could ever work on one thing because I'm so, like, you know, I have, like, the worst case of, like, the shiny object syndrome, so I'm trying to, like control it but it's like taking everything out of me um but i guess like in terms of an agency one of the things that i feel like would be scary to an agency to adopt that is okay you've done an awesome job for this client and it's over how do you know there's another client on the other side right so how do you guys Man, deal eight with
0: months that? <laughs> we like so the client projects are like usually anywhere from like seven to nine months mm-hmm. long because it takes a long time to do all this work, um, and so I've literally got seven to nine months to find the next project. Mm. Um, and you just and then, put them on like a waiting um, list. Yeah. So they w- we the, our process is we do a roadmap first, so like a mini. De- it's basically like a paid proposal. We do research. Mm-hmm come up with a plan and a pricing and then present it and then they pay a deposit and then they sign and say, okay, we'll start on it in like six months. (laughs) (laughs) You know, And, and so that works. And then to regard to your like shiny object thing, Um, What we do is we've got our main client engagement. It takes up about 40% of our time. And then we have 40% of our time for working on our own projects. So it's like divided between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with that additional 20% of the time, we have um, other like smaller projects. So what we do is we take like a piece of what we do for our big clients and we offer that as like uh, a la carte. So you mm. can get, like, a, a teardown of your website. Um, we have conversion audits. We, we're working on launching, like, a mini teardown where we go through and, like, give you copy feedback, um, like, a foundational analytics. Like, it may not be, like, the 30 grand setup of analytics, but it's going to be the foundation for, like, a couple grand that – Like, so you don't lose all that data because analytics is not
1: retroactive. So, Mm. so in that, so you have the 40% that you said that you work for the client and then you have the 20% where you're doing the a la carte stuff. The other 40% where you're working on sort of different projects. Is that like you guys as a company working on projects within the company or is it each individual person that works for you that has like, wants to do stuff for themselves? Kind of like Google has that, you know, where they like work on projects.
0: Um, no, it's for stuff for the company. Mm -hmm. So like right now, um, we, we use user testing in all of our projects. Um, we really believe in it. And what user testing is, is you have a website. Um, you know what it, how to work it because you built it. Um, Mm -hmm. and you you use it every day or, or like whatever, but you don't know what that looks like to someone for the first time. And so something that may make sense to you isn't going to make sense to someone else. So basically what user testing is, is you give them like a a set of instructions that's like, let's say you have an e-commerce website. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, go to this website, find an item under $50 that you can ship in two days in size medium or whatever, like the store is. And then you watch the person try to do that task. And then you tell them to check out until they have to enter payment information. So you watch that and you can see like if they can't find it, um mm-hmm. if like they're pissed off because you were not transparent about how much the shipping costs were or like all these little things and one e-commerce store that we tested they found um their customers were complaining about something and they were like oh they're crazy it's right there and then they watched the video and they're like oh my god <laughs> like i can't I can't believe they're doing this. It was a five minute change and literally the next day they got like 10 sales in wow. because it was like this thing on the checkout was stopping the stuff. So that's what user testing does is just basically watching someone speak their thoughts and you see their, their screen. They're like uh, screen, screen, screen recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we um, noticed there was a gap in the market for this. There's like usertesting.com. They're like super expensive. They're more for like agencies and corporations. Um, and we thought this would be a great tool for entrepreneurs. Yeah. So, um, and, and all the other ones are really focused on on agencies or conversion, optimization optimizers, whatever you want to yeah. call. Optimization, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah yeah and so we we're working on um, a project called conversion crimes now which is our user testing it's not launched yet we're still building it but um so that's one thing and then that's also going to help us generate money in a different way than client work Mm -hmm. so it also helps that stability because right now we're sacrificing money for time
1: Mm, yeah for sure is there somewhere that if anybody's interested in conversion crimes Do you guys have, like, a website or, like, a landing page yet up where people can go check it out?
0: Yeah, so there's a website there right now. It's a little bit janky, but um, it's there.
1: Well, your jankies are, you know, like, amazingly perfect, so probably it'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. I want to take a couple of minutes here before we wrap up to talk about the good things about remote life, right? Is your entire team is remote. You're remote. You're in Medellin right now which is awesome. Yep. What have you been able to do in terms of lifestyle because your company is remote?
0: Um, so many things. Um, there's a lot of cool conferences that I've traveled through to um, just living in different parts of the world. And it's really interesting because if you need something in your life, you just travel to a place that facilitates that. hmm um, you know, like if you need to get a bunch of work done and stuff, there's like cities that are really good for that. If you really want to focus on health and fitness, like, man, I'm going to go to a city that's really good on health and fitness. Um, if you're like, oh, I just want some really good food, you know, you can go to Italy yeah. or, um, actually Italian and Thai are my two favorite foods. So, um,
1: I just yeah, came back just- from Thailand and everybody tells you how good the food is. And it wasn't until, I don't know if you've ever been to Khao Soi Mai Sai in Chiang Mai. Mm -hmm. But, oh, I ate there 10 times. But anyways, I'm sorry to interrupt. (laughs) I just had to throw that in there because I've literally never had a meal that, like, one of my friends was like, dude, I think you're going to get sick. Like, you can't go there that many times.
0: Um, The other thing about a remote is, like, you can get talent from anywhere. You're not, Mm -hmm. like, really... Um, set into one location like it's not like oh I'm in Medellin I can only find someone in Medellin you have like the whole world to like find people and then also most of our team is travelers um, or they're like they have a home base but they travel a lot from that so around conferences and stuff we'll arrange like many retreats so we do get stuff Um, we get to work in person as well which Mm -hmm. actually helps helps the team a lot so um, actually, in a couple of weeks, we'll be in Austin and Mexico together. So,
1: awesome! What have been some of your favorite places that you've visited and you know called "quote unquote" home for some amount of time?
0: Um, I lived in Bangkok for about two years. Um, I traveled quite often from there. Um, what I call mandatory vacation because you have to leave the country every two to three months. Right. So I would go spend like a week or two somewhere else. Um, so I really like Thailand. Um, Chiang Mai is a really big hot spot. There's especially from like October to December. There's tons of people there mm-hmm. that are doing the same thing. And the cost of living is pretty cheap. The food is good. There's tons of stuff to do there. Um, Medi-Ying surprised me. Um, because I was actually here 10 years ago, backpacking. Wow. Um, so it was a, it was a different context why I was in the city and I hated Medellin. I absolutely hated it. It was like, oh, why would I ever go to that city again? Um, but my friends, they were like, oh, let's do this. And I went and I was like, oh, it's a really good city for living. Um, it's cause I was here for like travel and adventure. And I was like, all there is, is like malls and mm-hmm. like, <laughs> restaurants there's like there's this big rock out in the middle of nowhere you can go see it's beautiful Mm -hmm. um so those are two really good places um where else would i say um plato carmen is another city i really like um the ocean is not not as good now there's some kind of chemical change in the ocean that's making the seaweed like grow like crazy Mm. Um, so it's kind of like littering the beaches with seaweed. Um, so, but Playa del Carmen is, is a great city and it's also a great hub because the Cancun airport is epic. Um, and you can literally fly direct almost anywhere in the world from Cancun. Well, not Mm. Asia, but Europe, uh, South, South, um, Central America and USA.
1: That's awesome. So you spend most of your time, do you spend any time in Europe or do you, do you tend to call? kind of you know the america's home
0: um i spent a lot of time in thailand so i was in asia for several years now um the past like year or two i've been in and out of mexico and uh quite a bit just for conferences and like things like that europe i've only spent three months in rome and two nights in stockholm this summer i was supposed to like go on this European adventure and then I was like nah I like Medellin so it's put off (laughs) well that's
1: one of the good things you know about having that lifestyle is that you know what if you like a place you can stay and if you hate a place you can leave and you know good and that's that's awesome you know I think that a lot of people who just travel like they don't have that freedom so
0: yeah like um Uh, I like, I, I really like Medellin here. Um, I plan to be here for like two months, but what I realized is it's really easy to outsource your life here. So we have like right now, um, we have an uh, apartment and I'm sharing it with, with two people it's like this penthouse and this thing, it's really nice. Um, and we have a cook that comes in and cooks our food every day. We have a cleaner, they clean all the rooms every day, like make the beds, all that stuff. Um, at the gym, a personal trainer, um, and all this between the three of us, it's like a thousand dollars a month, maybe 1100.
1: So it's a thousand per person or a thousand split
0: a per person.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like the rent, the trainer, the, the maid, the cook, like all of that. So it's just like, you know, in Chiang Mai, I think I spent like $900 on my apartment because I had to pay the Zulu tax which is basically i travel with my dog so uh, chiang mai hates dogs so like it's like i'm very limited in where i can stay so i kind of i pay the what i call the zulu tax um
1: gotcha gotcha well you know we're running out of time here so i want to say thank you so much for for being on it's been awesome talking with you and if you're ever in the midwest or you do eventually get out to eastern europe uh or Europe, let me know, and maybe we'll meet up and uh, have a beer. But uh, if people want to get to, you know, say hi or anything like that, where can they find you online?
0: Um, So my social media stuff is Quinn Zeta, Q-U-I-N-N-Z-E-D-A. We've got ZetaLabs.com, ConversionCrimes.com, and you can just email me if you want, just Quinn at ZetaLabs.com.
1: Easy enough. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show again. Uh, It's been awesome having you.
0: All right. Cheers. Thank you.